Hello ladies and welcome back to Too Smart For This. I hope you all are having a fabulous day. Like genuinely, I really hope you do. And I am because I just got to talk to my good friend Bree Springs for this month's theme, which is relationships on the podcast. So I get so many questions from the girls who want relationship advice or want dating advice or family advice or friendship advice. And for me, I feel like it's an area that I'm scared to talk about sometimes because I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to give bad advice. But this month, we're really just jumping in to making sure that we are building healthy relationships. And Brie Springs, is the best person to talk to about this because Brie was a contestant in the 25th season of The Bachelor, which featured the first Black Bachelor. And she went through a lot on that show. When I met her, I knew she had been on, I had found out that she had been on the show, but I didn't really understand anything about Bachelor Nation. I've never been a Bachelor person. I'm more of a Real Housewives girl. So she told me everything after we bonded a few times and I am shocked. And so we talk about how she's developed a healthy, strong, independent relationship with her boyfriend today. And then we also jump into something that I think a lot of people don't talk about, which is their relationship with their family and their parents. And Brie and I both have teen moms, and we've had to do a lot of inner work and communication to relate to and to be able to communicate with our parents. So if you have a similar need of figuring out how to communicate with your parents, I think this episode will be great for you. But Bree Springs is also a influencer and an incredible one. She's also the co-host of a new podcast called Yeah, But Who Cares? And she does marketing at Lumane, which is a great startup that helps creators get paid better. So I love Bree so much. Thank you, Bree, for coming on the show. And let's get into the episode. Welcome to Too Smart for This. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Of course. And you're a new podcast host yourself. I am. What the frick? It's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. But look at you with your mic. You look so cute. I know. I love it. I like, I have really been loving it. We've been doing it. Our goal is to do as many as we can in person. So that's stressful, but it's, it's fun. It's really fun. Absolutely. The in-person part is so hard. I need to find a studio here that I like to do it in person too because – We do it from the living room, girly pop. I know. And you should have just – like we're – for those listening, Brie and I live next door to each other. We should have just done this. We should have. <laughs> I really should have. But I don't know why. I, I was we thinking, did. I've been so frantic. You already know. So my brain wasn't working. But anyhow, hello. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm excited to talk to you and discuss really everything under the sun and hear your perspective on everything going on in the world at the moment. So I like to start with a little rapid fire moment, though, to get the audience to get to know you. So let's do it. I feel like you are going to like these ones, but I also don't know. So the first one is... What is your big three in astrology? What is so? I don't even know what a big three is. <laughs> okay, fabulous. Okay, well, you're a Sagittarius, right? Yeah, love it. Then that's all that matters at this point because so am I. Do you have a favorite, <laughs> like? Do you have a favorite personality test? Like, do you, do people ask you like them? What is it called? Myers Briggs or whatever? Yeah, Myers Briggs. I also took like a very like quick Myers Briggs, but I'm blanking. I'm I'm an extrovert introvert. If that answers the question. That answers. That answers. Okay. What is your hometown and where do you live now? 
hometown is San Antonio, Texas, and I live in Brooklyn now in New York. Love it. I feel like everyone's from Texas, honestly. Really? I just – a lot of black people. A lot of black people, but they're from the DMV or Texas. That's what I've – Yeah. I mean, my boyfriend is from the DMV, and honestly, I wish I met more people from Texas because we I feel like we'd really bond. I but so too. Here we are. Yeah. Alas. 100%. Okay, what is one thing about your personality that makes you feel really smart? Ooh, I'm very adaptable. That makes me feel really smart because I feel like I can enter in new roles and I feel like I just have a drive to do things that I've never done before. So being able to adapt is probably my biggest strength. I love that. And I feel the same way. I think it probably comes from our upbringings. It definitely comes from our upbringings and just moving around a lot. Whenever you move a lot, you have to be adaptable because I feel like nothing goes right all the time. So true. So true. Okay. (laughs) What is something about your personality that makes you feel superficial like in a good way, like a material girl element? My confidence, probably. I feel like I'm so confident that I can definitely be very full of myself sometimes, but it, it, it works. I don't know why or how, but but it works. Yeah, I mean, you are very much that girl, I have to say. I have to say. Well, that's what everyone says. So I feel like it probably comes with a little bit of like – it comes with confidence and a lot of stuff. But at the same time, I feel like I have enough confidence and I lack a little bit of confidence to the, to the point where I, I'm, I'm probably humble myself more than anything because obviously there are a lot of things that I'm very insecure about. So it's like the perfect balance where I have enough confidence to where to everyone else it looks like I'm that girl. But sometimes in my head, I don't always feel that way. No, I feel that. I feel like something people have said to me in the past is like, you think you're better than people are like that's what a haters would will say and I think that a lot of black women get that because it's like no I don't think I'm better than you because I've got my own self-doubt I got my own insecurities like I'm humbling myself first you think I'm better than you and you're projecting yes yes crazy that happens a lot unfortunately what is your most important self-care practice my most important self-care practice is probably training my mind to be okay with doing nothing. That happens. Yeah, I mean cuz you're, you know, my my self-care practice, that's like it's a routine at this point, you know, like my skincare, my my workout routine, like all of those in my mind are self-care, like eating healthy. That's all self-care, but that's all very routine for me. The hardest thing that I have to like force myself to do is be okay not doing anything cuz whenever there are moments where I'm not doing anything, I get very guilty and my mind starts racing like there are 10,000 other things I should be doing right now. So it's like training my mind to be okay with not doing anything, which is self-care. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard of it in that like bucket of self-care before, but I know it's something that I struggle with. I think we're both similar. It's like we're doing a lot all the time. And I think maybe that's – I had a lot of anxiety this weekend, and I think it was because I my to-do list was done, and I didn't know what to do with myself. And you didn't know what to do because you're like, hold on, I have so – like, what else do I need? What else do I need to do? Like, I'm constantly on that next thing. But maybe in a way to put it in better terms where it feels like a little bit more relatable is like on a Friday night, I'll stay home and order in and watch TV. And to me, that's like, again, that's not doing anything. That's me being okay with – 
not having a plan for Friday night. That's me being okay with like not forcing myself to leave my apartment on a Friday if I don't want to because I've established that this is for doing nothing today. I love that. Okay, final thing here is what is the worst advice you've ever received? Uh, like, let's actually put uh, um, something on it. What's the worst relationship advice you've ever received? Oh my goodness. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> um, I know you've been on the receiving end of a lot. Yeah, I feel like the worst relationship advice I've ever received. I'll. I think. Okay, how do I say this? It's probably divulging too much information. And I don't mean like don't be honest and don't be truthful, but I feel like the worst relationship advice that I've received is like be open and be very vulnerable. And I feel like you can do that to an extent. But if I am open and vulnerable about everything and I share – there is a such thing as sharing too much information. There are certain things that I think should be kept to yourself, to myself. That's just specific to me and only relates to me. And that's what I practice a lot now is like, I don't need to tell my boyfriend everything. And I don't mean like, you know, I don't mean like cheating. I don't mean stuff like that. I mean, like, there are things that like, like my self-care practice, I don't need to tell my boyfriend what I'm doing. Like I don't need to tell my boyfriend what I did when I was 16 years old. I don't need to call him and ask for his approval for something that I'm feeling or thinking. Like, yeah, I don't, just because we're in a partnership doesn't mean that there aren't things that I can have for myself and keep to myself. I like that a lot. I think a lot of, um, I don't know if you get this a lot, but a lot of people come to me and they're like, why haven't you moved in with your boyfriend or why, like what's happening? Like you moved to LA, like what's your boyfriend doing? Like, I just feel like the first question I get from strangers is like, why aren't you like completely enmeshed with this person yet? Just like, and they sort of put the relationship as if it's like the center of my life. And to a large extent it is, but it, but I also don't, I don't see my life in like the the increments of my relationship at the same time, you know? Like it's just very odd to me how so many people center it and then tell their boyfriend everything. It's like, no, like I have a separate life and I like that. Yes, yes. That is actually a really good point that you say that because I feel like even at the age that I'm at, a lot of my friends like, you know, I think a quote unquote successful or healthy relationship means that you're able to combine your lives and form a like have live as one essentially, which I think is really important in a relationship. And I think that'll be important in a marriage. But right now, I actually very much enjoy having the independence and the flexibility of if my relationship were to end tomorrow, I don't knock on wood, I don't want it to, and I would not want that. But knowing that I can separate my life and none of my life would be impacted by this one person makes me feel 10 times more secure and 10 times more confident in myself and my ability to keep it pushing. Like, And I think that's healthy. Some people would disagree, but to me, that's like the fact that our lives aren't intertwined is actually much better, like way more telling of how successful I could be on my own than not. I 1000% agree. And I, I'm glad to hear you say that because like, I think it stems from just watching so many women in my family or around me, like intertwine their lives with a man. And then 
be left with nothing when that man changes their mind. And like, I think that for me always made me want to have my own money, have my own success. And like as a survival mechanism, sure. But also as like, because it makes me happy to have my own shit. And I agree with you. Like I've been with my boyfriend for like so long, but I still know that if it ended tomorrow, God forbid, like I would be okay. And I don't think a lot of women do. And I think it's so interesting because it's like a lot of people, all they want is a relationship and then like they don't create anything for themselves outside of that like goal. Tips for long distance girlies is prioritize yourself, but also then prioritize him because that's what like the partnership looks like to me. You know, I find myself in instances where my friends are wanting to make plans or my friends are like wanting to hang out for a weekend or do a weekend trip. But I'll always have to say so that way I don't like find myself having to please both people always be like, yes, I'm down. But the first trip I take is going to go see my boyfriend, like saying things like that to train everyone that like, yes, I am. We we live separately. But I still like am prioritizing him, you know, like it it has to I have to like find some time to like separate the two because otherwise my friends get used to seeing me a lot and they get used to hanging out with me a lot. But then, you know, then there are moments where I will be gone for like a week or I'll be gone for two weeks because, you know, that's time that I'm going to spend with with my boyfriend, with my significant other. But yeah, and communicate. You have to communicate. I think that the root of every relationship problem is just communication. And like, I think the coolest part of being with someone who I've been with since we were basically teenagers is seeing how we were able to evolve in the communication. Cause it's like, he will piss me off sometimes. And I'll be like, we had a movie premiere last week. This man didn't have an outfit the day of. And I was like, I'm going to kill you. Like I really am. Like you are (laughs) stressing me out so much he was late to the movie premiere and I was like and then afterwards we just had and I didn't like yell or do anything I ranted to my friend and then we had a dinner and he apologized and was like I messed up and we just moved on you know it's like but he has but men have no sense of urgency it really like baffles me sometimes Men are stupid. <laughs> I I mean, my boyfriend and I lived together for the summer, this last summer for a couple months. And by the end of the time, I wanted to like to kill him. I wanted to strangle him. But that's just because men are dumb. But you just have to communicate like and, and I and I don't say that lightly, like you just have to communicate because it's really not easy. But a rule of thumb is anything that's on my mind that's bothering me that I know is going to bother how I communicate. I just have to get off my chest like and it'll be very much like, you know, if my boyfriend and I are catching up on the day right before I go to bed, I'm like, hey, can we talk about something that's been on my mind? And even if it doesn't come to fruition or even if I know it's not a big deal, but I feel like it's eating at me or starting to at least or you know, it keeps occurring in my mind, then that's just something that I just get off my chest. And then it feels solved. It feels a lot better. Because a lot of times I don't want a response. And a lot of times it's just it's just saying something for the sake of getting it out there. But that helps because I'm not bottling anything up. I'm not holding a grudge. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, the next thing that irritates me, I'm not going to pop off because I've already said what I needed to say and it's out there. 
where do you think you learned this like communication style or like learned how to be in relationship and still maintain a sense of self? Because you obviously had a public relationship and like it was a lot. So how did you get to this place now of like self-growth? And my public relationship was on The Bachelor. So it was very not much public at all. And I feel like I've always been a really poor communicator just because of how I grew up. It didn't dawn on me that I was a poor communicator until my role as a communications manager in tech. And I was like, wow, I'm a very poor communicator and I can't afford to be because this is my job. Like my job is to quite literally communicate to all different types of people and communicate in like a means and messages that is going to be like that you'll be able to understand and that people will be able to to take away what you want them to from whatever you just said. But I think it's the fact that I'm an only child, so I have to communicate more. I don't know. I think it makes sense. I'm an I'm the oldest and like I think I've always had an aggressive communication style that I had to like pare down because I was like very bossy. But I have a lot of friends who are like only children who like go through the like, why do I have to tell you this? To learning how they have to like talk to their parents because they're like their parents only because my mom forgets about me occasionally and so you know we have to you know so it's definitely different when you're the only person on your parents minds 100 percent. whenever you're the only person so I was always the baby of my family for everyone to everyone for so long but even with my friends like I realize I have this very like because I'm an only child and because I feel like I gained an independence so early on in my life, like I was forced to be so independent um, because my mom worked as a single mother all the time. That would look like me having to find a ride home from school. Like that would be me like having to find a ride to school from home if my I knew my mom had to go to work early, something like that. But because because I just do things without telling people and do and just go off for like a day or two and no one knows where I'm at. It has forced me to be somewhat of a better communicator because I realize that I'm not the only person existing. You know, people care and people want to know where I'm at and people want to know what I'm doing. And and yeah, it kind of forces you to be like, okay, I need to do a better job at at just giving people kind of the lowdown of of like what I'm up to or what I'm doing, I guess. That makes sense. And I also want to hear, because the theme for like this for the month for November when this is coming out of the show is about relationships, not just like your relationships with your significant other, which we've talked about, but also family. And I think you and I have a similar unique situation where we had really young moms. And like, I would love to hear how that's affected your how your relationship has grown in having like a super young mom and having to do all this stuff and be independent young and then to where you are now. Like, I think it's a like, I'm, I'm, I'm already starting to just have all these different perceptions change of my mom. And so I'm curious for you, like, what was the hardest thing to overcome with that? Yeah. I mean, something that I always have to remind myself is like no relationship is perfect. And that unnecessary burden that I place on myself to a fault is it's like 
you know, my relationships in my life feel like the most constant thing. So whenever they don't feel quote unquote healthy or perfect, I feel like it's such a failure because like those are the things that I want to be the most constant thing in my life despite every other change that's happening around me. So whenever they're not, I feel very like insecure about my relationships or I feel insecure about other things that are going on in my life. So I think it's important to remind your like remind yourself like not every relationship is perfect and not everything is like black and white. Like you know, relationships are going to continue to evolve and there's going to be a power con like a a power struggle and there's going to be conflict from time to time. I think the hardest thing for me with my relationship with my mom was getting older, like crossing this you know, inflection point of being young and still depending on my mom to being an adult and not depending on her at all. That was like a switch. Like that went from zero to a hundred from, you know, whenever I was in college, like, yeah, my mom still sent me money, but I also worked two jobs and I was also working to like support myself in college as well. But as soon as I graduated and as soon as I entered in like the workforce full time, it switched so drastically to I think to a point where we were both kind of like taken aback and it was like, okay, I was transitioning into becoming an adult in every sense of the, in every sense of the word, like living on my own, supporting myself financially with my own income, making my own adult decisions without telling my mom where I was going or what I was doing. And I think that was really hard for the both of us because it was hard for me as someone who always felt so independent and wanted to continue to like be independent. And it was also really hard for her because she was like, I'm like losing my baby because for the longest time I was the only person in my mom's, I was her constant, like the only person in her life that she worked for and worked towards. So I think it's just between the two of us, it's just understanding that not every relationship is perfect. And we're, we definitely hit moments of conflict, especially because I'm reaching in a, I'm reaching a point where I'm an an adult again in every sense of the word. Like if I wanted to, the way I will describe it is like if I wanted to start a family tomorrow, like that's a decision that I think would really like impact and affect my mom, not necessarily in a negative way, but that would be really hard for her because my mom is also in the midst of starting her own or starting her own family and continuing to like to grow her family. So we would both be living like the same lives. We'd be living a parallel life, but I'm still her baby. (laughs) And so it's really, it's really hard. But that part where that's the part where I feel like communication is also key. Like I tell my mom, you know, something that I think we both are trying to practice is like, I want to know what you want in life and what you want for the future. Like the same way that I'll tell her, like, this is what I want my life to look like in three and five years. Like, I want to know what your life is going to look like in three, what you want your life to look like in three to five years. And it's just over communicating, I think. I like that. And I think I might even like steal that because I feel like something, a frustration in my family, not just my mom. It's like, cause we're from Missouri where everybody has 47 children and is married by the time they're 23 or 24. So it's always something like, when are you getting married? And it's like, I'm not. Like, and like, uh, but I think like I could switch that conversation instead and be like, I plan on getting married in about four or five years. What do you want to do in four to five years? And then like you can be on the same page. A hundred percent. And I think it's also 
Yeah. I mean, it's telling people I'm very, very upfront about, you know, when people ask me those questions slightly because I get a little defensive, I won't lie, whenever those questions come my way. Like just recently, I was at my mom's baby shower literally over the weekend and her friends were like, so like, are you ready? Like when would you be ready to be a mom? Like, is that something that you want? And it's just being very, very upfront and clear. Like I have like 10,000 things that I want to do before I'll be ready to get married and be a mom. And if I've learned anything from my mom, it's that I'm not ready to sacrifice those things yet. Because that's what happens, I think, when you become a parent, at least whenever you have the like the privilege and the option to make those decisions. Like, you know, my mom had me when she was 13, so she didn't really have, you know, the time or the luxury privilege rather to sit back and be like, am I willing to sacrifice these things? But that's what she sacrificed. So that way I now could have that decision and make that decision to decide, are these things that I'm ready to give up or at least sacrifice to a certain extent? And the answer is no. And so until I reach the point where I feel ready and I feel comfortable, like that's not going to be on my mind and that's just not going to happen. And I think whenever you frame it that way, it makes, it makes them feel better. Like that makes them, it, it makes more sense to them. Oh, sure. I mean, like, because I think also a reason that a lot of people want to talk to you about having children is because they want to be able to relate to you on some way. They want to feel a sense of connection, not that they're trying to like pry and be mean. And so I think like the reason my mom wants me to have kids so bad is that she wants something to be in common between us, you know? And like, that's not, and I, I think like reframing it, like you didn't have this choice because my mom had me at 16. But like I do and I'm not going to make it like this right now. But I think it's like a – I really like the way of like approaching it that way. And I'm even like curious for you. How have you like from this point of you have all these options of what you want to do next and you've worked in tech. You have a very like incredible career. You are – you made the decision to like actually like get a job post-bachelor, which like a lot of people don't do. So I'm curious like what – what are some of those things you want to do with your life? And like, how do you set yourself up for success that way? Yeah. I mean, right now, a lot of my goal planning is a lot more numerical and it's a lot more financial. Um, so my goal planning, I don't necessarily, yeah, I mean, and I think that's just because where I'm at right now, like I'm at a stage in my life where I do feel like the decisions that I make are huge and like life-changing decisions, even though they're not in the grand scheme of things. I feel like going really hard in one direction is like likely going to keep me from doing something else that I want to do. So the way I've said that is like everything, all my goal planning is very monetary right now, right? So it looks like I want to double my income in this next year. I want to hit, you know, half a million by the time I'm 30. Like it's, it's, it, there are things like that. And it's almost like, what's the means to the end? Like, how am I going to, what am I going to do to get there? And if that's taking on new projects or going a different direction, then that's something that I'm open and willing to do. But for now, I think I need to sit down and I really do need to plan out like, what is the next step or what, what is some, what do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? What do I want to say I've done in my career by the time I'm 30, for example? But one of those things was starting a podcast. And this is something that I'm putting all of my energy and effort into right now. We haven't launched yet because we're trying to record as many episodes as we can before, before we launch. So that's taken up 
a significant amount of time and I think will continue to take up a significant amount of my time. And the other one is I want to evolve my career as an influencer. I just got some really nice validation from someone recently that they were like, you've fully rebranded into a fashion influencer. And I was like, oh my God, that was my goal. So it, it, like the fact that I can, the fact that whenever you reach these goals, you're kind of like, okay, I need to like start dreaming a little bit bigger because I already had all these goals that I set for myself for a year and two years that I'm already starting to hit. So I definitely will admit I need to sit down and think about like, what is that next step for me? What are, and I need to be thinking like longer term than that. Like what are those five next steps to get me to that top line goal that I want to do, which is, which is good. And I think it's, it's forcing me to like really think about like what I want my life to look like when I'm 30, what I want my life to look like when I'm 35, which a lot of people, I don't think it's that easy to do, but this setting the monetary goals for myself first help has allowed me to be able to take a step back and be like, Oh, okay. Now I'm ready to actually think about what that looks like. And I think it's because it gives you structure because I think a lot of times like numbers can be really daunting, like, and you're like afraid of this. But once you see that, um, like my boyfriend and I, we've like calculated what we would need to like have the house that we want, be able to like live and go on vacations, be able to like send our kids to private school and like knowing what those numbers are gives me something to work towards. Exactly. Then it's like, what do you need to do to get to that? You're literally working backwards in a sense. So that's why I can't say like what my next role is going to look like or what other venture I want to take on because right now I feel like I'm in this like, I have to like, I have to do it all. Like I have to do it all to see what I like and what I don't like. And then I'm going to continue to make it I'm going to continue to lean into what it is that I don't, what it is that I do like. That's also bringing me the financial success that I need to hit my goals. If that makes sense. I feel like we're doing the same exact thing. Yeah. And I think you have to, because you're going to have to sacrifice things when you're making decisions about like what you want to do next. And there's going to be parts that you do and don't like. And like in set in sort of that vein, like after being on The Bachelor, what for you was like, mentally the most like difficult part of that and like how do you want to like turn it into a positive like moving forward because you've told me the bts and that's trauma like that's traumatizing of like what they you actually go through and i hadn't watched the show so i didn't realize like what was happening on, out here and you really shocked me so what was the hardest part and do you think it made you like a stronger person or like what would you change about it yeah, I think the hardest part was probably I think there was two things. The hardest part was one putting your life on hold to do something that was completely out of your control. That you had no control over. That was hard. That was probably the easiest decision for me to make to not it was the easiest it made my decision that easy to not go back on the show because I was able to say I never want to give my life up like that again or put my life on hold like that again for something for a period of time that is just completely out of my control. Like I can't I can't do that. <laughs> I am too much of a control freak in order to do that. But then I think the 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 second thing was that it just taught me a lot about like mental health and it taught me a lot that uh, you know 
I'm always going to be working towards something. I'm always going to be working towards healthier, a healthier communication style. I'm always going to be working towards healthier relationships and setting healthier boundaries because at the time I just didn't, I didn't have healthy relationships with people. I didn't have healthy boundaries, you know, for myself. And the show really brought on like a lot of, because I feel like my attention was being grabbed in so many different directions. And I feel like a lot of problems in my life felt exacerbated because of the show and because of the height of the show and the height of the emotions involved in the show. Like an example is like my conflicts with my friends, they became exacerbated because it was so much easier to be like, your attention's not here. You're not present. You're not physically here. Like it, it just became so much easier to like be like, you're this, you're that. Because all those things were happening because of the show. So in that sense, it just it made me have to like put up really like strict and healthy boundaries for myself of like, I'm not giving my time to do X, Y, and Z because quite frankly, I don't want to and I just don't have the time to do it. And I feel like I didn't have those boundaries beforehand. Like I didn't have those boundaries with myself. But now that things in my life started to ramp up very quickly and I got busy really quickly and I had 10 things going on that I was juggling at once, which I never really had to do before the show, it forced me to be like, okay, this is how I want to live my life. This is how I want to move in my relationships with people. And this is these are the boundaries that I'm going to set for myself in those relationships because otherwise I would give half-assed energy to like everyone in my life and it would be I'd be miserable and they'd be miserable. A thousand percent. I, I think you've you've said that beautifully. And I just and that you've turned it into making yourself a better person as opposed to like blaming the whole chaotic uncontrollable situation for like your frustrations you know I mean it's just crazy to me like and you've made you've made such a great life for yourself after the show yeah I mean it's crazy I mean I definitely get PTSD whenever I see things happen with the show and as it relates to the show I'm like I would not wish to ever be in that position. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Like I've even had people like talk to me about the show and my experience because they want to go on the show or they're getting ready to go on the show and they completely ignore it. And I'm like, listen, I also think my experience was very unique because it was the, I don't know that that many people will ever experience that, like experience what I, what I, what I did. And that's just going to be like, and everyone, I think everyone just has to figure it out for themselves. And maybe you, maybe you figure it out. Maybe you don't, but wow. Yeah, it was really tough for me. But again, I did focus on what I could control and what I couldn't. And it seemed like you said at the beginning, you have a lot of confidence and I'm curious, do you feel like, cause that's something I've noticed with myself is when I get like random hate comments, what it does is like reinforces for me that I'm confident in who, who I am because you can't really be mad. So do you think that the show helped your confidence or do you think it like there, it was just too much mentally to, to assign that? It's, it's so tough because I think the only thing that I felt was a negative impact on my mental health was not necessarily the comments. Like I won't lie. Like I feel like I got very shielded from a lot of controversy and a lot of the negative comments which I think will be to a fault 
correct because I'm not going to know how to take the criticism when it does come my way because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But there are things where, you know, if I if I get a negative comment in my DMs, for example, the funniest thing is, is like I find it so laughable. Like I'm like, ah. I just laugh because I'm like, it's just not me. And then I just keep it pushing, you know? So in a sense, like, I think it forced me, the show probably forced me to just realize, like, be very comfortable with who I am and the skin that I'm in to the point where, yeah, if I know a comment is not true, like, it literally falls right off the shoulder because I, there's no truth and there's, there's no fact to it. I mean, nothing that happens online, there's no truth to it and that there's no fact to it. It did, but it also didn't because I'm like, how am I going to handle real criticism when it comes my way? Because I'm the worst person of handling criticism. You will. You've got it. And you've got enough support. Like, I feel like the annoying part, like criticism is annoying but a lot of it's just a projection like I think people just recognize like oh it's a projection it's like very much like for me frustrating but it's never because I know in my heart like I'm a good person I'll admit if I fucked up like yeah a hundred percent and you know what I think maybe that's where some of my because I'm like I feel like I took a lot of this I took some skill sets away from comms to like into my like building myself a personal, building a personal brand and into my personal life is like there, if there's something that I do not want criticism on, I just won't share it. Like that is, that is something that I always like have to remind myself and that people remind me of is like, there are so many times where it's like, I want to post something or I want to share something. And once you open up the floodgates, like there's really no going back. So there are moments where I will want to do something. And then I stop myself because I'm like, I'm just opening myself up to a ton of criticism that quite frankly, I won't be able to handle and that I don't want to handle. And and I think I took a lot of that from my job. And that's just that makes me feel comfortable. And that's just how I feel like choose to operate online. Like that's how I want to portray myself outwardly to everyone else. And and that's that. You know, if I don't get the followers or if I'm not genuine enough or I'm not relatable enough, then that's that. But I'm not willing to take that risk, if that makes sense. I think that is a very mature way to approach social media by all means. Like, I don't share too much about my relationship because the little that the girls already know, they want to use against you and like put up. It's too much. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> it's already too much. It's already too yes. much. And so it's crazy. But it's hard. Fi- it's hard striking that balance, right? Because you because I guess what I have to ask myself is like, what's more important to me? Is it being relatable online or is it being relatable in person? And at the end of the day, like my, I'm always going to choose like being more relatable in person because I just can't control everything. And I'm just not willing to put myself out there for, for criticism, which I guess to each their own, right? Like people will look at that and be like, Oh, like this might be really cowardly or, you know, you're just not relatable, period. And that's fine. But that's just who I am. That's who I always have been. And when you're a black woman, it's not the same. Like you're gonna get hate differently than than like your counterparts. Like you don't just get to overcome super easily. Like, no, it's gonna be like, oh, you're not relatable. So we're gonna throw some racism in there. So you never know. But I know we have hard stuff too. So yeah, I know. 
But hopefully we can, I'm more than happy to continue the conversation because I love you and I love talking about these things. But thank you so much for having me. Anytime. I like to end my episodes with one final question. Won't be long at all, but it is, could you finish this sentence with something that you want people to know? You are too smart for. I am too smart to read in between the lines. Oh, I like that. We might have to have one for a part two. <laughs> we, should do, I, we should do a part two. I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, we should definitely do a part two. I'm too smart to read in between the lines. Like, I mean, I I think that's just like where I'm at in my life right now is I want everything to be hit or miss. I want everything to be spoken out in plain form, plain text, like just say what you mean and let's get it go. Like, let's keep it moving because there's too much time in a day to waste for reading in between the lines right now. Period. And we don't have time for that. <laughs> um, she's trying to get this money. She don't have time for that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But no, we definitely have to do a part two. I'm so proud of you. And I definitely want to continue the conversation. And you're one of my favorite people. So thank, thank you so you. much for having me. Love you. And thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to these conversations. If you're looking for more content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Too Collective. And don't forget to follow me, your host, Alexis Barber, on the Gram TikTok as well. Don't forget, you can also watch our solo episodes on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alexis Barber. And we do a weekly giveaway of PR products or Amazon gift cards cards to girls who leave great reviews down below. So please make sure to leave your reviews and follow us on Instagram to be notified in case you win. And with that, do not forget that you are too smart to not love yourself and see you in the next episode.